Kia ora tefano, morena. Um, uh, no Arangia Hau uh, from Ireland. Uh, no uh, Co Atlantic Tokomoana, Co uh, Lagan Tokoawa, Co Mango Tokomaunga, the Black Mountain that I looked out on every morning as a kid. Um, Co Kereti Toko Iwi, the Celts are my Iwi. Co uh, Campbell Toko Hapu. The love and the hand of God is my waka, and it's a safe and a good waka to be on. Uh, give thanks to the Lord. Our Lord is to be given thanks for. Everything he has poured into our lives, we acknowledge him. My, um, my name's Martin, I come from Ireland, and I've mm -hmm. been on the journey from Ireland for the last 30 years, and it's been really amazing to be part of Aotearoa and the story in Aotearoa. It's, I actually feel more Irish having been here than anywhere else I've been. So that's a, it's a big mihi, a mihi nui uh, to, the, to the tangata whenua. They've really nurtured me in that. They gave me back my singing voice as come well, because Afghanistan cut that because you don't sing in public in Afghanistan because you look crazy when you sing. Um, and Maori taught me to sing again, and I've loved that journey. So, um, thank you, brother, for your, your mihi. I feel really honored that you, you gave me that. And um, I just want to acknowledge my family. I'm from, um, I have a wife, a beautiful Scottish, lovely wife who keeps me steady. I am the, I'm the wobbly, excited, um, out of control one, she's the, the, the steady one. She's like, okay, Martin, that's okay, let's steady down. And, and God has blessed us with three lovely boys, three sons, um, and you can see them there, Alistair, Jojo, and Jordi. Thank you. Tēnā koe. Oh, you need this microphone. <laughs> I'm going to give that back to you. He wants to hear himself in stereo. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming and, sh and sharing with us this morning. And, and so part of the, this whole perspective is, is that here in New Zealand, especially with the tra tragedy of Christchurch, and, and so we, we've had this, like, the issue of, a, not issue, but more like we've been, as Kiwis, we've been challenged with, with who we are. Is this us? What has happened with the, with the Muslim communities and, and the Muslims being the minority here in New Zealand? You have an interesting perspective because you are a Christian living in a Muslim country, an Islamic country. Um, so could you share a bit about this journey to Afghanistan and, and what that was like uh, for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a really long journey that got us there. Yeah. But um, to say, actually, something I haven't actually shared with you before we had no heart for the Islamic world. We had no heart for well, Islamic people. That was not our desire, was at all to be there. I wanted to go and work in Africa. My wife wanted to work in Latin America with street kids. Yeah, and God wow. spoke Afghanistan to us. And it was like, <gasps> really? <laughs> wow. uh, we had no heart. That was not our burning passion. So when we arrived in Afghanistan, um, we took people at face value. We took them as people, not as a block. Right. And every individual we met, we got to know as a person because we didn't have a block sense. This was not Muslims. Right. This was Nazrullah and Oshem and yes. Farid. And we knew them as individuals. 
and that really nurtured our perspective mm. of them. So we basically went to Afghanistan 97. I was working in an eye hospital. Wow. So working, um, and you, you'll see the map I, I showed. That shows you all the different places we used to take hospitals around right. the country. And we would um, do mobile teams around the country, clearing off a bunch of cataracts, granddads, and stuff like right. that. Right. Well, um, well, amazing random story. I'm Irish. We always go down tangents. But um, amazing story. I was in one hospital in um, southern Afghanistan, and this man had had bilateral cataracts for t over 10 years. He'd been blind wow. with cataracts. And we were only there for a short space of time, so we did the two in one go. Right. So got the two old lenses out, put in two. I don't do the surgeries. I'm just organizing the stuff. And put in new lenses. We didn't even need glasses afterwards. Wow. But we, I was there when we took the bandages off this old man. And he just opened his eyes and just the look on his face. And then he leaned over and he says, who's that guy sitting on my bed? <laughs> and the, the, the guy turned around and he said, dad, don't you recognize me? Wow. Whoa, we all were in tears. It was wow. the most beautiful sight. He didn't recognize his own son. He hadn't seen him in 10 years. And wow. he was a little boy. And now this, this grown man was sitting on his bed and wow. he got to see his son. Wow. What a blessing to be able to do that for people. That is, yes. wow. We'll pull my tears back now. Fantastic. And so it's, it's, it's really interesting, this whole thing of going, to, so when you went to, when you had the call to go to Afghanistan, um, which has to be a call of God, and which yeah, you kind of confirmed that, but now you've got to tell your family and, and, you, and, your, your, and you, your wife, you guys just had a, had a, your firstborn at that time, and so now you're going to Afghanistan. It was a war-torn country. Now it's kind of changed. You're telling your family. What was that like? Yeah, we, we'd visited when it was a full-blown war. The, the, the city was just rockets piling in, and we had a supernatural peace living there for wow. that month, and we just felt this God's in this. But then the Taliban took over um, after we'd left from that visit and it was a, a very strict Islamic regime. So that was a different thing. But as far as the journey with our families was concerned, I mean, we had a strong sense of call from God and we could pay that cost in a sense in doing that journey. Yes. But our families didn't necessarily sense that call. Yeah. And for them, it was just all cost. And there was a lot of tears, a lot of upset when we talked about Afghanistan. And then when we had our first child, Everyone thought that was Afghanistan off the agenda. Wow. And for us, it just wasn't. And so we actually had people stop speaking to us. We had family members yelling, crying, and whatever. But it was years later. It was actually after being there maybe six, eight years, because we yes. were 12 years all together. But after being six or eight years there, my sister turned around to me one day, and she'd been the most, she, she'd given me out. She roasted me. <laughs> And she turned around and she says, I don't know what's happening in that country. And I don't believe half of what you tell me. She's Irish, she's, she's pretty blunt. But she said to me, she says, I look at your boys and they're three of the happiest, healthiest boys wow. I've ever seen. So you keep doing what you're wow, doing. Wow, that is so, so good. God confirmed it, but he doesn't necessarily confirm it at the start. Yeah. You sometimes have to walk the road wow. for quite a while before that comes wow. through. So your boys, so they, they grew most of their lives up in Afghanistan. And so with the whole identity, the, the dad Irish, their mum Scottish, growing up in Afghanistan, they're moving to New Zealand. So how, so how, have, they, how have they developed? And so what was the journey like for them? Yeah, there's a, a whole concept called third culture kids. Right. When your parents are from one place, 
but you're maybe raised in another. Yes. But you feel like you're from somewhere in between. Yeah. And lots of people experience that feeling of somewhere in between. Yes. And that third culture kid, you have to integrate a lot of worlds together. So yeah. my boys, they, most of their upbringing was Afghanistan, yeah. which they love. And I'm going to be the parent watching my kids or grandkids going back to Afghanistan. Wow. I know I am. Wow. <laughs> wow. Not an easy day. I'm not looking forward to that one, but yeah. I, I can't say anything. It's going to yes. be blessing. But they've incorporated Afghanistan into their worlds. Yes. They are musicians. Wow. So my oldest boy, he's a banjo player and keyboards and drums, metal one, everything. They all play everything, actually, well. all three of them. But they have a love of Celtic music. Wow. So, so they've, good. that's part of their journey as well. Yes. And now they're in Aotearoa. And um, the, Aotearoa is part of their journey. Yes. And it, just, just last Christmas, we gave all three of them Ponamu. Wow. This, this, this shape of, of Ponamu, yes. but just slightly smaller. And wow. we said, you're all three chips off the old block. Come on. And um, because they are on the journey of, of listening in this culture and yes. listening to the people of this land. And that's what we encourage our children to that do. That is so good. Wow, that, that's such a great, great picture of you. And that's why they're such good-looking boys. So these, you've got a screening process of anybody. They are single, so the screening process is going. No, just kidding. <laughs> Listen, I'm not the problem. You've got to get past their mother. <laughs> <laughs> She's Scottish too, so. <laughs> She's Scottish. High standards. Fantastic. So, um, so living in, in, in a country where you got the Taliban, because that's quite extreme, yeah. extreme Islam. What was that like? And what, what, kind of, what kind of things did they bring in that was different than when you first went? Yeah, the, the difference the Taliban brought were um, life became really austere, really tough yes. um, for the local Afghans. So the local Afghans, they weren't allowed to watch TV. They weren't allowed to listen to music. They weren't allowed to have photographs of even family members. They would get those torn up on them. Wow. Um, women weren't allowed to work. And we had tens of thousands of war widows, because if you remember, it was a civil yes. war. Men, a lot of men die in the war. These women are left with children, and they have no means of working. It's illegal for women to work. Wow. So they just, you would walk to work, and you would just be pulled at the whole time by women in burqas, these blue burqas. Mm. And these were genuinely desperate people, desperately wow. trying to feed their families. So life became really quite tough under the Taliban, especially for the local Afghans. And in that sense, it gave us perspective. We weren't victims. We weren't God's victims for being there. Wow. We were privileged to be allowed to be there. Yes. But we watched the people who find life really, really tough. Wow, that, that's quite extreme. And, 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 uh, and we kind of shared earlier that it's, you, we're hearing that that's kind of shocking, but Christianity can be quite legalistic as well. So I remember there was a time in the 80s, <laughs> I, w I wasn't a Christian then, but I've heard from other Christians who said that, oh, you know, they became a Christian, they had to get rid of all their worldly music, because, you know, records you played one way, but you played in reverse, and it says, hate God, <laughs> apparently. And so they got rid of the albums and their, their blankets with um, moons or stars on it. Let's burn those as well. And, it, and it, we can get caught up in legalism, and, and, it's, and, no, and it's very similar to Islam as well. Very different. Their worlds change. And, and, and that is denial of the power of the Spirit of God within yes. us. That is like saying we have to be frightened and control all the factors. Mm. We have the power of the spirit of the creator God within us. Yeah, that's right. What are we frightened of? We don't walk in fear. Yeah, come and on. We don't walk in dominion. We're not in dominion. He is in dominion. He is sovereign. Yes. But we walk under his covering. 
Yeah. Our sovereign God has our covering. So yeah, that, that legalism is just a dead end street for me. It's mm -hmm. an absolute dead end street. Wow. It was interesting. Somebody at the youth group in Kabul came in with the, the whole idea of the playing things backwards. And my, old, my, my oldest boy put his hand up and he said, does that mean when you say taff, 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 I hear fat, fat, fat? Because <laughs> I don't really hear fat, fat, fat. And, and he was just kind of blowing this thing apart. And he's like, I, I can't live trying to micromanage everything. I'm going to trust God. Yeah, and I'm going to trust Jesus. Yeah. That is so good, so good. And because like we, you're living in, in these countries and, and you, you talk about we can't live in fear. But I can imagine, um, as a Christian, you go into a place where it's all Islamic. Sometimes we can feel we're, we're living under fear. Uh, me and Porter went to, to Tibet, and when we were there, we felt fear. And, uh, and our missionary there said, look, you know, we, we, we don't, you know, uh, of course, we've got to be careful, but we don't, we, we, we haven't, God has given us a spirit of fear, but a love power and a sound mind. So translating that for you there, like, is your Christian faith in an Islamic country, being the minority what was that like, as you were, who you were? Um, yes, we were a minority. I was the white face in the bazaar, you know, yeah. sticking out like a sore thumb. Um, and, and yet, I was surrounded by people of faith. Yes. So I was surrounded by people with whom I could talk about God with every day. Yeah. So there's a huge aspect of that that was actually really encouraging. I could pray with Afghans. Yeah. Now, the Taliban were obviously quite extreme, but we worked with them, and we had a post next door to us that we related to and, yeah. and we connected with. And overall, the Taliban regarded us as people of the book. They believe, the, the Taliban, the uh, Muslims believe the Bible is true. Right. Yeah. Now, there's debate over the translation of the New Testament, but it's still one of their new holy books. Well. Um, Total sideline. Bring me back to, if I'm not answering your questions, pull oh, me back I, in. I just love the flow. That but you here's, here's, a, here's a random story. I was in Glasgow getting my hair cut by an Algerian barber one day. And this guy's cutting my hair, which isn't a good time to have a, a debate with somebody, but it, it might be easier for you, but it's, it's kind of, I, there was more at stake here. Um, but I had this, and I said to him, I said, have you read the New Testament? And he says, no. And I said, but that's one of your holy books. Yeah. And he says, yes, I know, but, but I said, so did God make a mistake? And he says, no, God didn't make a mistake. I said, so is what God said irrelevant to you? And he says, no, no. And, I, wow. and, I, and then he went, I'll read it, I'll read it. Will you read the Quran? And I said, no, the Quran's not one of my holy books, but the New Testament is one of yours. Wow. You really should read your holy books. Wow. And, and the hair was all right at the end. It might not have been the best haircut, but in that sense... I could have those kind of conversations with Muslims. If I'm dealing, I was an atheist for eight years. I was an evangelical atheist. I was a nightmare for you to meet. I just, wow. I loved winding Christians up for about eight years. Um, but I actually know that the conversations are much more almost aggressive with atheists or secular humanists. Yes, that's right. With Muslims, I have had some amazing, warm conversations about God, the nature of God, who God is, the, 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 the angels and demons, the spirit world they completely believe in. And I've prayed with Muslims. I've been invited to pray with Muslims. Yeah. And, and that has been a, a joyful journey for me. I've loved it. Wow, that's so true. Because like you, you, you talk about with secular culture, society, it actually puts a wedge between us. But with secular culture and society is if, if you disagree with them, they don't just dislike you, they hate you. Yeah. How 
you, you, do you, you have a different belief? Well, I hate you for doing that. And I'm, now I'm calling you a bigot. I was like, whoa, really? You're calling me a bigot? Like, really? Where did that come from? And, but a bigot is somebody who, who has no tolerance for your belief. So in a way, it's kind of like, aren't you the... But anyway, so tell us, like, because like here in New Zealand, we have this thing like, um, they're so different to us. And, and, um, and sometimes we're like, we're afraid to talk. We don't actually, you know, we, want, we might have Muslim friends, but we don't talk about, we just talk about everything else under the sun, but our faith. So how do we navigate that? Yeah, we've been trained in that by the secular world. The secular world has taught us to shut up about our faith and yeah. to be apologetic for it. Yeah. The Muslim world has never taught me that. The Muslim world actually taught me to talk about God again. Wow. I talk about um, Tangata Whenua here in, in um, New Zealand teaching me to sing again. Wow. Because I used to sing all the time. Yeah. But in Afghanistan, if you sing out loud, you look crazy. So I was told by Afghans, stop singing. You look crazy. You look day one ah. So I stopped, and it was a loss to me. But now, being in Marai and doing Wayata and whatever, I've loved it again. Wow. But I think what we need to do is unlearn this idea that we should hide or be apologetic about our faith. We are believing in the Creator God. I mean, if you, um, I'll stand with arms high yes. and heart abandoned in awe of the one who created all. Yeah. That's. If we mean that, then live that outside of here, yeah. in our workplaces, in our universities, wherever we are. Yeah. Let's live that out. And there's no Muslim will turn around and go, you've got to stop that. It's yeah. actually your secular people who will yeah, go, you right. can't do that. That's so Muslims are our friends in many ways. Yes. And we should be nurturing the friendship there and the conversation there, is my belief. Yeah, absolutely. And like during, during um, Ramadan... During Ramadan, this is Ramadan now. Ram, 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 tell us about Ramadan. Ramadan. Tell us about Ramadan because it's, it's happening in New Zealand. It's happening worldwide. Yeah, is that right? It's so. happening worldwide, and it's a month of fasting. And Muslims all over the world will adhere to a month of fasting. So that's no food or drink from sunup to sundown. So it's, in, in daylight hours, you don't eat or drink, and it, it's a an honouring to God, and it. It's it's a practice that they seek to honor God, but also to seek God in that space, that God would speak to them. So for many of us in Afghanistan and anywhere else in the world, we would pray for Muslims that God would encounter them during that time, because they're looking for that. They want that engagement with God in that time. And we don't get to control what happens. God's not going to turn up with one of our books. or God's going to reveal himself. Yeah. And that's what I long for all peoples. I long for it for me. Yes. I long that God would continue to reveal himself to me. Because yeah. I'm, I'm a sinner and I kind of lose sight of things. I kind of drift. I want God to keep revealing himself. So during Ramadan, it's a great time to pray for Muslims right. that God would reveal himself to them. So this is, what, this is how you can get involved in Ramadan, um, <laughs> is, is by actively praying for revelation uh, for your Muslim neighbors, and uh, and you, and you share some story about like we we had this conversation about like um, is the Muslim God the same as a Christian God, and and um, and in Christian circles we, we you know we can actively debate this and saying you know it's a different God you know the but but I'll, you've got a, I love your interpretation of this as very could you, could you share your interpretation on this and I promise no one's going to stone you right we did we did screen everybody got all the stones out yeah we got a big bucket it's amazing what people bring to church these days but um, so would you like to share your your interpretation on that yeah well 
going back to when I went to Afghanistan, part of me was concerned that I might mix the whole thing up and get a bit confused. Yes. And actually being in Afghanistan, it was actually a clearer perspective on who God was for me. And my faith deepened in that journey. But I believe there is only one creator God. Yes. I don't think the earth could have been created by more than one. It was created by God. Muslims believe there is one creator God. Right. Great. We agree on that. Um, I believe that God revealed himself to Abraham, to Noah, to Moses. Muslims believe that as well. Great. That's something we can connect on. Yeah. Now, I believe fully in the perfect revelation of Jesus. And I believe Jesus is a perfect, beautiful revelation of God. And anything I don't understand about God, I go back to Jesus. Because that's God's perfect revelation of himself. Yes. Now, Muslims wouldn't say that, but that's my belief. And I want to be a pointer to that, to yeah, that truth. That's, that's the truth. Jesus is the perfect revelation. But even in my life, I'm wrestling to see and understand and comprehend how beautiful that revelation is. Yes. And I'm seeing from behind a, a dim glass at yeah, times. Yeah, that's right. And I'm longing to see more of that purity. I look forward to all of us standing around the throne and worshiping in all of our languages, from all of our tribes, tongues, and nations, worshiping the Lamb. Amen. I long for that. Yeah. But until that day comes, some of our brothers and sisters here are struggling in a second language. Yeah. And they'll be struggling for the revelation, even spoken mm. revelation, because we're, we're struggling through language and, and, and the worldview that we have. I long for that purity. So I see God as only one. Yeah. There is only one God. I don't see that. I, I can't get into this whole idea, oh, that's a different God that's somehow masquerading and whatever. Mm. I, I can't go there. For me, sitting with my Muslim friends, there's only one creator God. Yeah. Let's talk about how we understand him. Yeah, I love that picture because it's kind of like, like it's looking at God and, you, and, it's, and it's, you, you see the same God, but it's fragment. You see gaps in there. But as believers, we have the fullness revelation of who Jesus is. And so, but, and, but so many of us are like this, and we're looking, even, even now, we, we could struggle with how we see God, and, we, and we're still struggling, many of us, but when we're able to see Jesus in his fullness and who he is in God, and so for, and I, I love that example, so for when I'm praying for my Muslim friend, it's like, God, may help them see the fullness of who you are, rather than this fragment that they've, they've, they just see this parts of who he is, but not the completion of who he is, and, and, and it's happening in the Muslim world about this revelation, the beginning of the Sikhs. Could you share some of that? that that's just amazing. I mean, there was another, there was an evening I was sitting with um, an Afghan family. Uh, the, our neighbors looked, uh, my wife went home for a month and left me with two kids in nappies <laughs> in Kabul. And wow. bless her, struggle is real. She went home to look after her aunt who had uh, terminal cancer at the time. But our Afghan neighbors looked after me. They brought me food. Wow. Because obviously men are completely incompetent when it comes to, <laughs> to children. Don't agree, anybody here. I can, I can hear you there. Um, but they brought me food. They would go to the mosque in the evenings. They'd call in, have tea wow. with me afterwards and whatever. They'd invite me over for meals. And there was one evening I was sitting with one of the uncles. And he said, you know, Martin, the Taliban are just trying to clean the outside of this glass but they're not worried about what's on the inside. Yeah. And he says, God's worried about what's on the inside. Wow. And I'm sitting, whoa, this is an amazing moment. This is an amazing conversation. But anyway, there was another, there's another friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, and 
He's doing the journey of faith in Jesus in Kabul still. Yes. But he, um, he came to faith in Jesus through Jesus meeting him. It wasn't through anything that was shared with him. He didn't hear anything in the radio or TV. Those things are good. But he had reached a real low point where he just wished he was nothing. Yeah. He wished he had been beaten very, very badly. And he, he was traumatized by this. And he curled up on his floor and he said, I want to be a stone. I don't want to be visible. I don't want anyone to see me or notice me. I want to be nothing. Mm. And his room just filled with light. And out of the light came a voice and said, yeah. don't wish to be a stone. Trust in me. Wow. And he, he spoke to the light and he said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus. Wow. Now, he knew nothing about the New Testament. He had never met Christians. He didn't know any of that. So that encounter with God is what I long for people. Yeah. Because... If you can change somebody's mind, it can change back again. Yeah. But if the power of God is an encounter that someone has, yeah. there's almost nothing you can do to shift that. Yeah. And there's nothing will shift that in his story. His story is filled with the encounter with God. Wow. And that's what I long for people. I long it for all of us. God, please encounter us. Please engage us and transform us. Wow, that's amazing. So just Ramadan season that's happening... Be praying for your Muslim friends and neighbors that during this time when they're seeking God, seeking a revelation from God, that pray for the fullness of God's revelation in Jesus Christ to come through. And, and you know, God can do the miraculous. Amen. So let us be praying for, for them. And that's a beautiful story. And, and what I love about that, and even though you got these extreme for the Taliban, and a lot of us think all Muslims are like that, but that's legalism. And we see that in Christian circles all the time, and, and regardless of, um, and as legalism strangles, and Jesus came across there with the Pharisees, and, and he was so, and he was so like, and he, and he, and he was so soft with the, the sinners, but also with truth and grace, but when it came to the Pharisees, he was very hard on them, because of that, of, because they were just cleaning the outside of the cup. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Northern Ireland. We do a lot of religion in Northern Ireland. Yeah. And I became an atheist based on what I'd seen of religion yes. in Northern Ireland. And I came to faith in a single sitting of the Bible. I went from atheism to giving my whole life to Jesus because I saw him address legalism and religious people. Yeah. And I just saw Jesus smash that one like nobody had ever yeah. done. And he basically said, no, you are obscuring the revelation of God. Yeah. Legalism obscures it. Yes. It's not, it, it, the spirit reveals, but legalism is death. Yeah, and whether amen. you call yourself a Christian or a Muslim or whatever, legalism is death. I agree with that. Absolutely. That is, that is so good. Um, and so just coming back to the tragedy here in, in New Zealand, um, it, it really did change New Zealand. Um, and and after, the week after that, there was a, a national call to prayer which concerned the many Christians because of, the, because of the, the way that it was presented. Could you yeah. give some light on that? Yeah, I mean, that was a very intense week. And yeah. obviously, for us, it had specific relevance because of the Islamic world and, and the Afghans who were even killed in that session. I was on a, a marae. We were at a hui on a marae in Cambridge at the time. Right. And we were with a group of others who'd actually worked and lived in the Islamic world, not because for any reason, it was just we happened to be together and, and that became a time of deep prayer for the community and for New Zealand. But a huge day, a huge day for New Zealand, a huge change to some degree in what New Zealand thought of itself yes. and what we thought was possible here. Now, I wouldn't say it's the worst thing that's ever happened in New Zealand's history, yeah. 
Yeah. But in modern history, yes, yes, definitely. modern history, absolutely. In modern history, but um, for me, the the reactions and the responses were very emotional, and they were, weren't necessarily thought through. And one of the headlines was, "We will be televising the call to prayer." Yeah. And part of me was like, "Ooh, that feels strange," be yeah. because in my mind, having lived in Afghanistan and been in Pakistan and. I've traveled through Iran. I've been in a lot of countries. When there's a call to prayer televised, it is a state-spoken call to prayer. So you often have the flag of the country and you have the writing up. And I envisaged the New Zealand flag and the Arabic writing and the call to prayer. And I thought, well, that is a different thing. Yeah. But actually what happened was just a televised event within which was a call to prayer but it was a whole televised event. Okay, we, we don't actually have to agree with everything there. I don't agree with the most of what the rubbish that's shown on TV. Yeah. I mean, one episode of Shortland Street and I'm over. It's just awful. <laughs> I don't agree with that rubbish. Yeah. But, that's why I just watched rugby. Yeah, rugby's true. <laughs> rugby's it's commitment, you know. It's commitment, the whole heart. But, you know, but this televised event that the Prime Minister was at, and after such an event like Christchurch, it was, for me, totally appropriate. Yeah. That was fine. But it had been marketed as something different. It, it, yeah, it had been marketed as something that it wasn't. That it wasn't. Yeah. And it got all those reactions. It got everybody all stirred up. And then there's all these statements out there that people aren't taking back, but they're defending. And it's like, no, pull back, pull back. Yeah. It really was a reasonable thing to televise. And, okay, let's get up in arms about the morality in Shortland Street and all the rest of it. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do want to take you back to Afghanistan with the Taliban because I loved um, the story that you shared about after Ramadan and you took some, some things, some gifts to these, these Taliban soldiers. So share about that. Yeah, I'd, I'd encourage you at the end of Ramadan, go and visit your Muslim neighbors. Yeah. Bring um, sweets or cookies or something like that and just say, I just want to acknowledge it's your Eid. Eid is a celebration, and at the end of Ramadan you have Eid, and you can bring in sweets or cookies. Don't go with anything with meat products, that gets complicated, but just kind of keep it sweets and cookies. And that's often really appreciated, but at the end of Ramadan in Kabul, um, I had a, we had a house next door to us of 15 Taliban soldiers, and I thought, I'll go and take in a bunch of sweets. And I had no idea what I was doing, I was really... I was, I was more nervous than you would be in Hamilton doing that, put it that way. Yeah. But I went in, knocked on the door, had a bag of sweets, they brought me inside, and next thing I found myself sitting in a room on the floor with 15 soldiers. And then one of them said to me, um, say the Shahada, which is the Islamic Declaration of Faith. Now, I knew enough to know that I don't say things. Yeah that I don't understand. I don't say things in today, oh, I don't understand. Yes. I want to see the translation. I want to understand what I'm saying. Yeah. But I had an idea of what this guy wanted from me. And I said, I went, ah, I'm not sure what you mean. Uh, which is, I started the long no. There's a short yeah. no, no. Or there's the long no, which sounds like, what? Sorry, what do you mean? Yeah. Don't understand. And I went through that process. Because if, if you had said that statement, what, what, what did that mean? In its, in its purest sense, and for many people, yeah. in its purest sense, if I'd said that statement, I have converted to Islam. Right. Don't play with words. Yeah. Words are important. 
Yeah. And words are important in that context. So if I had repeated those words in the eyes of the men in that room, yes. I have converted to Islam. Yeah. And if I've converted to Islam, all the expectations they have of the Muslims living in Kabul they can have of me. Mm. And um, I knew well enough, don't repeat words you don't understand. Yeah. That's and really important because like, we, we hear they go, oh, wow, so you just say the, those words and you're Muslim, that's really easy. But in Christian circles, say this prayer and you're a Christian. And I, I don't like saying that because that's not actually true. It's more like, have you checked the price tag? You know, have you checked, the, have you counted the cost? And, um, and it's a lot different. And, and, um, and you're right, words are powerful when you make these declarations. So, so they're trying to, trying to, and you see the long no. So what happened next? Well, in, in the culture, it's understood the long no. And he got the no eventually. Yes. And then he kind of looked at me a little annoyed. And he said, well, say a Christian prayer then. And it was yeah. kind of, there was a longing for a prayer to be said at that point. And I thought I could get myself in a whole heap of trouble. I didn't understand culture. So I knew to look at the rangatira. I looked at the chief. Yes. I looked at the head guy. And I looked at him and I said, he wants me to say a Christian prayer. I thought, you're going down for this, pal, not me. <laughs> um, and then the, the, the chief just looked at me and he said, well, say one then. And I was like, okay. And I, I was so out of my depth. I had no idea what I was doing. But I'd learned the Lord's Prayer off by heart yes. in, in Dari. So I just started, I padaras monimo, nomitu makadas bod, daulate tu bioyad, and I went on. And then at one point I got really overwhelmed. I just, my head just went blank. And I, I was like, what am I doing? And then one of the Taliban looked at me really annoyed, and he said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Wow. In Dari, word perfect. Wow. And he filled in the blank, and then I finished the prayer. Wow, he knew the prayer. He knew. The, I don't know how. Wow. I don't know the start of his story, and I don't know the end of his story. Wow. But I actually feel free to be part of God's story yes. without needing to control the start or the end. Wow. Yeah, and it's right. really freeing for us if we're willing to just be salt and light in people's yes. lives and not need to control all the chapters either side of that. Wow. Wow, that's so good. So, so what can we do here in New Zealand? We've got Muslim people in our communities, and when I was growing up, I, I never saw that, never saw any, yeah. any, but now it is, we live in a different world, even in this country, so what can we do, how can we, how can we, um, you know, a lot of us is like, let's hold, oh, I don't want to share my, my faith or whatever, if we're going to reach out to somebody, what, what, what should we do, what, what kind of things can be helpful? If you're, if you're just have the mindset that you're going to go and share your faith, that could be a real barrier, yeah. go and share your life. Go yeah. and share your aroha, go and share your yes. heart, and then let's see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I look at my Muslim neighbors in, in Kabul. We couldn't have survived without them. Yeah. They were so kind to us. They didn't wrestle over whether they brought some food over. They brought some food over. Yeah. They didn't wrestle about whether they invite us for dinner. They invited us for dinner. Wow. They just did it. Yes. Um, and, I mean, even one of them, they, they chopped down a, the top of a pine tree because they knew we liked Christmas trees. They'd seen it somewhere. Wow. And they brought us a Christmas tree. I mean, we can do simple things that actually show we care about you. We want you to feel safe and loved in this community. Yes. There's nothing to be gained, and there's no mandate in Scripture that says make people feel unsafe or yes. unloved right. in our communities. It's yeah. quite the opposite. Mm. So... If you're mowing the lawn, mow their lawn. If you're doing your hedge, offer to do their hedge. Yes. If you, if you see them struggling with language, offer to do English classes with them. Offer to do whatever. Get in, 
but make it not that it's all about, I want to share a whole bunch of things with you. Yeah. But actually, I want to share my life yeah. and my aroha with you. Yeah, that's absolutely. I want, people want to know how much you care before they, they want to know how much you know, yeah. right? And that's a great picture. And so, and so we've got people coming here. You share a story about a family that came here, and they just wanted to connect the way in. Yeah. Can you share a bit about that? Yeah, we, we were there day one when an Afghan family arrived here in Hamilton. Yes. And obviously we had the local language. We'd lived in Afghanistan for years. So we had a, an immediate connection. And so we went back every week um, to help, to support. But the father couldn't speak English. He tried. He really tried. But, I mean, the man was in his 60s when he arrived here. It's a big ask. And you'll see that with migrants. Um, the older they are, the harder it is. And so every week I went over and this man would just give me everything. <laughs> All the letters that he didn't understand that had yeah. arrived. I mean, this family were so stressed over some stupid bit of junk mail. But because this had a date on it and the date was coming up, they thought it was a bill or a notice from the government. They were stressed. Wow. I mean, life's really stressful when you don't understand what's going on. But I said to him, I said, what are your neighbors like around here? And he said, well, they look nice. And, yeah. and they seem nice people, but they just go, hi, hi. And he says, I don't know what hi is, and I don't know how to get past hi. Yeah. And it's not up to them to figure out how to get past the hi. Yeah. It's actually up to us to push past our own nervousness and insecurity mm. and show them the love and show them the aroha and get into, yeah. the, into relationship with them. If, as you're a minority, that's so hard to do. It's so hard. Yes. But if we can push past and engage, invite them for meals. Mm. I tell you, you invite them for meals, the next, day, next week you're going for a meal. Yeah. You're, you're in each other's lives. And it's all around the kai. It's all around the food. Yeah, come on. Get around that food. You know, that's, yeah. that's where it happens. Yeah, absolutely. I love getting around food. And that's, <laughs> that's cool. And I love that. And, and, and I think it's something that we don't have to, to fear. And, and, I, and I love the story of Jesus. He, he brings the picture of the, the Good Samaritan. And that's exactly what it is. You know, if we, if we bring it back in our terms, it's like when, when a Christian person is, is, is badly hurt, it's the, and then the, you've got this person on the way to prayer meeting. Well, I'm on the way to prayer meeting. I haven't got time to help you out. Or, or you've got this pastor walking by, but it was the Muslim person dressed up there, the person that helped them out. And this picture Jesus was saying, it's not about what they look like. It's not about what we believe, but it's about the love and sharing the love of God. And when we begin to share the love of God with one another, that's when they, their hearts begin to open up. And, and, and we've got this thing, you know, we've got to beat people up with the Bible and all this. And this is what, this is the whole thing of what real love serves. And it's about loving people uh, regardless. And, um, and God will open, you know, trust, trust God that God will open a way or show a way. I don't know, well, God, you know, uh, God, I want to go first. You show, because, you know, God, you show us a way. And thank you, Martin, for coming. Could you share to us some of the things you do as the principal of East West College and what your college does? Okay. The, um, East West College is out in Gordonton, and it was established just over 20 years ago. It used to be a potato field until then. Um, an Irishman is principal of a potato field. I can all <laughs> Come that. on. Um, <laughs> it is the food of heaven. Um, so uh, there's a couple of leaflets out there if you want some more um, information. But as a staff, we believe that training for people for mission is really important, that you have the chance to process what it means to live in another culture, ensure you've got a good biblical knowledge, thinking through what it means to relate to other communities. Yes. Um, none of our staff are salaried. They all live by faith. Yeah. 
So there's no salaries. So none of those salaries go onto the back of our students. So basically, our vision is that we're going to walk the journey of faith yeah. with you. And we want our students to be debt-free at the end so that they can go straight into mission yeah, as quickly good. as possible. But it's a cross-cultural mission we're looking at. We're looking at helping people establish, like we did in Afghanistan, mm. long-term, learn the language. Language is important. So for me, coming to Aotearoa, Tereo was first priority. Get some, yeah, that's good. At least some, some respectful language. Yes. Some uh, ability to at least fai korero a little and just acknowledge the beauty of language. And we want to model that and we want to encourage our students. Wherever you're going to go, get into language, learn that it, respect can be communicated there. So it's a one or two year course. We also run some block courses, which I've, I've, uh, we've got one starting tomorrow in Romans. Um, but yeah, we run block courses as well. But the goal is to try and help people healthily go into mission yeah. and last for the long run. Yeah, that's, that's, that's We also so good. pray every week for our graduates. Mm. So once you're ours, you're ours. We're going to pray for you the whole way through. <laughs> Come on. And for us, we long to see success in that sense that you follow through with what God has. Our grads have gone on to 43 different countries long term. And that's over 400 graduates we've had. Um, over 70% of our graduates go into mission. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much, Martin, for coming and sharing your heart and really giving us a, another perspective on, this, uh, uh, on our Muslim neighbors. And, and it's really it's just feeling the love in here. And you know, they're no, really not different from us, really. We're all God's children. Right, and let's treat each other like let's let's see people as how God sees them. Let's see ourselves how God sees us, and I love that. So thank you, Martin. We want to give Martin a warm welcome. Thank you for coming and sharing your heart. Thank you.